0: Have you ever been harassed for being a Christian? The antagonism and hatred we experience at the hand of those who reject Christ only affirms the truth of God's Word. It also reflects the experience of Jesus Himself. It's hard to face antagonism, but Stephen's going to encourage you to use opposition to strengthen your compassionate resolve to take Christ's message to this needy world. Stephen called this lesson, the Lord of Human History.
1: More than likely, you've never heard of Hugh Johnson or Harlow Curtis. Now, although these men were from different generations and even different countries, They had this one thing in common. At some point in their lives, they were honored as Time Magazine's Man of the Year. Now, the fact that you probably don't know who they are or even how their lives benefited the world, and they did, that's a testimony to the fact that that significance on Earth doesn't last very long at all. In fact, another man back in 1938 received Time Magazine's Man of the Year award. His name was Adolf Hitler. Sometimes the wrong man receives the accolades of his generation. Well, let me tell you, if Time Magazine was around 2,000 years ago, a powerful leader in the Middle East would have no doubt received this honor. His official name was King Herod Antipas. He was the son of Herod the Great. Uh, Herod the Great, you may remember, tried to trick the Magi and then later ordered the murder of little boys in the region of Bethlehem. Well, after his father's death, Herod Antipas began ruling the land of Galilee. And just like his father, Antipas was brutal and immoral. He was responsible for killing John the Baptist. He's also the Herod Before whom Jesus is going to eventually stand trial. But let me tell you, from all the external evidence that we have, Herod was the man of the year. That is, he was in control of destinies and legacies, he was a powerful leader. But you know something in hindsight? Herod really wasn't the one ruling, heaven was. Herod's throne was temporary. God's throne, God's plans were eternal. Now, for the first time, the Gospel of Luke connects the ministry of Jesus with the rule of King Herod Antipas. And i got to tell you, the exchange here is going to produce some fireworks. Now, we're in chapter 13, where Jesus has invited people to enter the family of God through the narrow gate. Remember, it's narrow. Uh, not so much in size but in singularity there's only one way there's only one door into heaven and John's gospel teaches us that Jesus himself is that door the lord is preaching here and he suddenly interrupted in verse 31 at that very hour some pharisees came and said to him get away from here for herod wants to kill you in other words you, you know you better you better run for your life Herod's put a price on your head. Well, the Lord's response is going to provide several principles that we can apply today as we recognize that God is ultimately in control of of nations, of empires, of thrones, even, even pagan kings. The first principle is this. Serving the Lord faithfully will not eliminate enemies. I mean, imagine the tragic irony of Herod's attitude here. Herod wants to kill you. Well, the healing ministry of Jesus should have earned him an invitation to have dinner with Herod in the palace, not a threat on his life. By the way, beloved, the only time Jesus will stand in Herod's palace is just before his crucifixion. I invite you to turn over every stone in Scripture to see if you can find a faithful servant of the Lord who didn't endure hardship or criticism or even physical danger. Let me tell you, you begin to openly profess Jesus Christ as your Lord, well, you just watch. Enemies are going to line up faster than friends. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So serving God faithfully is not going to eliminate enemies or critics Maybe you've made some enemies recently, and and maybe you've been trying to figure out, you know, why? You've just been trying to do the right thing. How should you respond to them? Well, that leads me to the second principle that we see uh, uh, modeled here. And here it is. Opposition should not reroute your mission or rewrite your message. Jesus responds to the Pharisees here in verse 32. Go and tell that fox... Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Now, I would agree with Bible scholars who suggest that the Lord here is using a a little bit of holy sarcasm. In this day, though, you need to understand that a fox was someone who was uh, crafty it was typically an insignificant person who was just making a nuisance of himself so it's as if the lord is saying herod you might you might think you're really crafty but you're just a nuisance in fact uh, herod's a rather insignificant nuisance in the timeline of history so jesus is demonstrating here confidence in his father You see, his death is predetermined by the triune God, and until that time arrives for the Lord to die, a little Herod can't do a thing about it. Now, you might have noticed that Jesus says he's going to keep on casting out demons and curing people. In other words, he isn't going to change his mission of mercy, he isn't going to change his, his message of forgiveness. He's going to stay right on track all the way to that third day. He he sort of hints at that reference of his victorious resurrection from the grave. Jesus is actually quoting the perspective of Psalm 31, verse 15, that says, My times are in your hand. Why don't you say that with me right now? My times are in your hands. You know what that means? That means My life, your life, is under the supervision of God. It might not look uh, like it at at the moment, but your life is unfolding by God's design. And, beloved, nothing is going to derail God's design for your life. And when you believe that heaven rules, well, your circumstances, even your enemies, can be viewed differently. And that's the third principle I want to draw from this passage. Here it is. Antagonism and rejection should not eliminate your spirit of compassion. See, after hearing about Herod's threat to his his own life, listen to what Jesus says here in verse 34. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? One author made the point that that this was not an expression of anger. This was a sob of anguish. Jesus is weeping over the unbelief of the nation Israel and, and what it's going to bring. You see, the Lord foresees destruction coming for Jerusalem. And and he's going to predict it here in verse 35 when he says, your house is forsaken. And to this day, it hasn't been fully restored. But now the Lord is going to look way beyond their rejection of him to a wonderful day out, out there in the future when the Lord says here, you will not see me until you say... Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, this is a reference to the return of Christ following the tribulation period when the nation Israel is regathered in the land. They have repented and they now await their Messiah. The apostle Paul will write that God has not abandoned Israel. And in that coming day, Paul writes in Romans 11, verse 26, all Israel will be saved. There, there's going to be another opportunity for them, and this is incredible, compassion. Now, perhaps as a believer, you too have people in your life who've, who've broken your heart. They've rejected your pleading with them to be uh, followers of Christ. Don't let their rejection eliminate your spirit of compassion toward them. I think of Joseph. Stalin, who was named, by the way, Time Magazine's Man of the Year back in 1942. As a young man, he had attended seminary planning to enter the ministry, but he lived an immoral life. He eventually left seminary. He declared himself an atheist and would go on to become a brutal dictator. His daughter defected to the United States after her father's death, and she described the final moment before he died. He suddenly sat up in bed, raised his clenched fists defiantly toward the ceiling, and then fell back on his pillow and died. It was as if uh, he was rejecting one final time an invitation to surrender to God. My friend, I don't know where you stand today with God but if you're an unbeliever, I want you to know Jesus isn't mocking you. He's weeping over you as he did the city of Jerusalem, and He's willing to save you today if you will accept his invitation and Let me tell you, this could be your final invitation. Now, if you've accepted Christ, I think it'd be wonderful if you paused right about now and and thanked him for saving you, for opening your eyes to the truth that he is indeed the Lord of the universe. He is indeed King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, until our next Wisdom Journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
0: You're listening to The Wisdom Journey with Stephen Davey. Stephen is the president of our ministry called Wisdom International. We produce this teaching series that's taking you through the Bible, as well as Wisdom for the Heart. Wisdom for the Heart is a daily sermon from Stephen. Our ministry is listener-supported. That means that all of our funding comes from people like you who want to help us take the truth of God's Word to the nations. We have content in nine languages, and we're reaching people in 147 countries. If you'd like to be part of making this possible, we'd be grateful. Make your charitable gift today at wisdomonline.org. Join us next time on The Wisdom Journey.